everyone, and welcome back to Terry Talks Fiction. Today, we've got a book review of The 22 Murders of Madison May by Max Barry. Uh, a little unusually for Terry Talks Fiction, this is a book we're getting onto relatively soon after its release date. Usually, I'm, I'm quite a bit lazy with it, but I've got a special occasion to because I have here on the mic my partner in crime from my other podcast, the Science, Sex and Sorcery podcast, Belinda Misson, who has also read the book and is keen to have a chat about it. Belinda, welcome to the we show. We are so keen. Thank you. I suppose we probably should <laughs> tell people what the book is actually about, shouldn't we? I have the blurb here if you'd like me to uh, to dive in. I would love you to read that because it's not open in my Google at the moment. All right. Well, by Max Barry, the acclaimed author of Jennifer Government and Lexicon, um, comes out this new book, The 22 Murders of Madison May. Young real estate agent Madison May is shocked when a client at an open house says these words to her, I love you in every world. This man, a stranger, seems to know far too much about her and professes his love like this right before he murders her. Felicity Staples, however, hates reporting on murders. As a journalist for a mid-sized New York City paper, she knows that she's got to take on a new assignment, researching Madison May's shocking murder. But the crime seems really random and the suspect is in the wind. That is, until Felicity spots the killer on the subway right before he vanishes into thin air. Soon, Felicity senses her entire universe has shifted. No one remembers Madison May or Felicity's encounter with that mysterious man. And her cat is missing. Felicity realises that in her That's pursuit... That's the worst part. That's the worst part. The cat's gone missing. I know. We've got to get to that, don't we? Like, <laughs> God, low blow. <laughs> low Sorry, blow for the puss. But basically, <laughs> that's what clues her in. She realises that in her pursuit of Madison's killer, she's followed her murderer into a different dimension one where everything about her own existence is slightly altered. At first, she's determined to return to the reality that she knows. But when Madison May in this world, a struggling actress, is murdered again, Felicity decides that she must find the killer and she learns that she is not the only one hunting him down. Travelling through different realities, Felicity uncovers the opportunity and the dangers of living more than one life. I mean, I just sort of want to follow that blurb up by just saying we really are in sort of this renaissance of the multiverse at the moment, aren't we, Belinda? Like and we were I talking love that. Marvel, you know, Rick and Morty's been on for 100 years. Um, we've got... Have we had a South Park multiverse yet? I wouldn't be surprised. Surely they've got to pick up on it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like God knows DC has all the else worlds going on. There's, I was going to say, like, the, the other worlds, yeah. It's something sort of, it's been sort of kicking on in popular media, since, you know, at least since the 1980s, uh, at least. But in the last sort of five years, it really seems like every sort of second or third piece of media I'm looking at has got a multiverse in it of some sort. I think they all saw the box office receipts from Infinity War and just went, yeah, I'll have some of that, thanks. Yeah, I'll get my multiverse of madness too. Thank you very much. Yeah, but that's also, that's a really cool thing though because I know when I write characters, you get to that point in the book where you're like, are they going to do this or are they going to do that? But if you've got a multiverse, they can do both of it. It, it sort of takes some of the pressure off, doesn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, it does. You can just sort of explore what would happen if you went either way. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I really, I like the genre. Like the idea of the multiverse itself is something that really, it tickles me just for the, the possibility of it. Uh, you can, you're right, you can do that. You can have that freedom to just explore things. If it sort of doesn't work out, then you can, you know, as Shuffle the comics things. have done for ages, you can just say, oh, well, that's a different reality. Now we're just going to focus on a different story and, <laughs> you know, don't worry about all that's that continuity. Spider-Man Earth 241. Go, go. Exactly. <laughs> so it sort of gives a bit of a freedom in that respect, I guess. But one of the other things, the, I, I guess the other half of that. things, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say oh. Spider-Man on Earth 241. Superman, whatever. <laughs> it's it's only a matter of time till it's all owned by Disney anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's sort of, there's another, I guess the other side to all that too is, and I felt this book touched on it a little bit and it seemed like a, a really heavy place to start off the conversation, so why not? But it really sort of leans on the, you know, in a reality where there is infinite of everything, sort of what really matters, I guess. Like what... One of the main characters yeah, really says this at one point to Felicity. He says, you know, what is the point of, of any of it saving one life when an infinite number of that person is living or dying at every second of time? Because you've got so many, you've got infinite diverging paths. So what does it actually matter? What action do you take in any of the realities, knowing that every other action has been taken elsewhere anyway? Yeah, it's a really interesting question. And I'm just thinking about it in terms of there was only one killer who followed her through to different worlds, was there not? Yeah, there's only one person who was killing. There were, yeah, yeah. a bunch of them moving, but only the, only the one murderer. Yeah, yeah. So I sp- look, I suppose it makes sense to to want to kill him. But again, going back to that idea of what's really important that sort of it boils down to also why did felicity choose to stay in the world that she was in yes why yeah, is that sort of double-edged yeah do you think there was more to it than just not wanting to you know squish another version of felicity when she just when she ported into that universe and booted the other one out it's probably the easy answer isn't it it's it's almost temptingly easy i think isn't it because this book seems yeah it seems to have a depth to it that it gets into sometimes and sort of just alludes to at others. And then skims, it's one of those moments. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're so, we're so focused on, on Madison and Clayton. What's his name? Clayton. Yeah. Clay. That sort of some of the secondary characters could have explored a little bit deeper, but didn't. Yeah. I thought it was interesting how the other group, like the group that Hugo was from the Hugo, mm. the fellow that they, keeps breaking out of maximum security Jail. prison every time they yeah. shift, um, basically. With his magic eggs. Yes. And how he and his group are just really, you know, taking this cruise around the multiverse with absolutely no regard I guess, for where they're ending up. They just want to try to get to somewhere better every time. Yeah. It's an interesting question then to think, yeah, what was so attractive about, was it just because it was the one where she ended no, I'm going to cut that out because I completely spoiled it. <laughs> you did. <laughs> you fool. This is what going off the cuff you just, gets you. just put it in the title, hashtag spoiler yeah, Hashtag alert. complete spoilers. I don't know. Yeah, yeah what, what, makes, what makes Felicity stop where she stops? is it, you know, I guess it's probably like the multiverse. It's probably multi-layered. But you might have been on 
right at the, from the get-go there. It might just be because she gets back to a universe that has her cat in it again. Yeah, maybe. I mean, my logic would tell me that I would be, I'm done here. I've done what I've set out to do. It's time for me to go back where I came from. But maybe she couldn't do that. Yeah, they did sort of, they did say they did that you couldn't to go not being backwards, able. basically. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I wonder how they knew that. I wonder how they knew that as well, because they sort of certainly didn't seem to be interested in moving backwards, the group that was doing all this. So it's just, it does make you wonder if it's just something they never bothered to try. Yeah, it's one of those things, again, where we, some things are explained and some things are not. It was just told to us that they couldn't go backwards and there was no real reason why. When Hugo was saying to her about, like, the reasons why he couldn't go back, it did, there was something about it. It's, it smelled a little funny. And whether that was just the, you know, the, the, the techno well, it babble. it was just convenient. Yeah, or it was just that uh, they've never bothered to look into it or try because why would you sort of thing. Just assume that the reader would be like, okay, you can't go backwards, so that's it. Yeah. And no or, one's going to ask that question. Or just it being so apparent that the group that was moving from reality to reality just has no interest. you got of the Rings behind your left shoulder. I do. Yes, I've got the... Uh, the those three blue the, books. <laughs> <laughs> and right next to them, I've got the, uh, the Hobbit, the Silmarillion, and the extended versions of the Lord of the Rings and, the unfortunately, the Hobbit movie. Oh, you didn't like the Hobbit movie? I haven't seen the Hobbit movie. I haven't seen the third one because the changes that they made to the narrative in the second movie pretty much ended our association with the story from that point on. Yeah. They had this weird thing where they split up the Dwarven party into two different groups at the mountain instead of them all being there. And because one of them was having some sort of strange love affair with an elf and it was just it it got very off the beaten track and then aragorn just came in and wiped them all out the end (laughs) it'd be a lot easier i'd be happier if he just (laughs) last time he went under a mountain he came back with an army so why not why not yeah Yeah. (laughs) but no anyway back to um convenience of not traveling backwards in time yeah or maybe that was it maybe it was because it was I guess you'd almost have to travel backwards in time, in effect, to get backwards through the different dimensional realities. Maybe that has something to do with it. But then, like, if we keep going back to the day that she's murdered, it's it's not explained that it's exactly the same day, is it? It's just that it happens. Yeah. Because I sort of think of it like the, um, again, the, again, to bring up, you know, another property, the Marvel bit where um where the hulk is uh, and nebula are, are explaining to Rhodey why you can't just go back and strangle thanos in his crib um mixed with <laughs> the uh such a good scene <laughs> such a good scene <laughs> and mixed with the ageless one doing her magic uh you know magic graph to show how the timeline oh, yes. split yeah pulling um, the stones out of the timeline I wonder if uh, if the reason why you couldn't go back to where you are is because once your branches diverged into two branches and then diverged again into another two branches, you can you could probably you can skip across the branches you've got, but you can't get back to that root uh, or something. Oh, I wonder if that's concept. what it was. But it sort of yeah. suggests too that once once Madison May, May has been killed, and once Felicity and Hugo and all the others and Clay have all left that reality, then 
that reality continues to go on. It continues to branch into multiple different realities where they're just no longer there. So surely you'd be able to find it somewhere. Just, you know, be pretty tricky, I guess. Imagine a different reality for every different decision. Mm. Certainly uh, I can think of a few things I might go back and try to uh, find (laughs) how it all played out if I did something differently. Yeah. Actually, I read a, a romance novel sort of like that. It's called All About Us by Tom Ellen. And it was more of a modernization of a Christmas carol. But instead of the ghost of Christmas past, present and future, or whatever it was, he's gifted a watch by this old mate in a pub. And at the same time, every night he goes back to different points in his life okay. to work out if he should change different things or if you should keep them the same that's interesting yeah and then sort of at the end of end of the book he gives the watch back and that's he's back to where he started Mm. like in the christmas carol yeah interesting it sounds a bit like that um that other time travel movie you were telling me about a while back where the the father passes down some knowledge to his son or whatever. His son goes back, changes something, comes back to the present, and now he no longer has a son. Frequency, please. I love that movie. Yeah, I need to. Frequency. That that one is on my list. I need to uh, get it on. You have to watch it. I love it. So That's a really good time travel movie. Yeah. There's probably 100 people listening going, that's bullshit. But no, (laughs) I really like it. Well, it is kind of intertwined, though, isn't it? The idea of time travel and multiverse, because you're talking about changes and, uh, and branching realities and divergent paths. And this is the second sort of time travel book we've read this year, though, because we did. Um, is it How to Lose a Time War? Yeah, this is how you lose a time war. Yeah, so more multiverses. And that was very that was very deliberately a set in a multiverse too, because you had, in fact, you had the same example. Where in this book, uh, one of the scientists, she says how she walked past someone in the street who was wearing a particular uh, a particular scent of perfume that she'd never smelled oh, before because right. it existed in yes. no other reality. And so she grabbed Except a bottle that of one. that. Yeah. Mm. And that, 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 that exact same example occurs in This Is How You Lose the Time War as well, where someone, where, you know, red or blue gives the other one uh, a scented letter scented with a perfume. Yes that is specific to only one point that, in time so on right. one branch yeah. of the multiverse. So, yeah. yeah, so I guess, yeah, there is a lot of similarity between some of these stories. I guess I'm just going to have to write a multiverse romance now. Why not? It'd be great. Why not? Imagine, imagine how many first dates you could have until you find the one that works. <laughs> oh, shush now. <laughs> you know, just keep oh, that's going around. funny. Just really creeping them out by just not having, like, like on ground, you know, Groundhog Day, where he just he does everything right that final run. You know, just he just knows all the th- right things to say, all the right things to do. How creepy would that and be? Then he your spills first the red date wine. with someone. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's copyright that idea. That'd be there fun. There we go, listeners. You heard it here first. So. Yeah. <laughs> so remember, you heard it here first. Yes. <laughs> what else about this book? Um, uh, really got you then, sort of. Maybe moving away from the, I guess, the conceit of travelling across realities, what did you think of some of the things like the main, like Felicity as a character? She's, for the 22 Murders of Madison May, um, really the book, She's really it's Felicity. She's a main character, isn't she? 
Yeah, it's it's Felicity's book more than anyone else's. Oh, what did I think of her? I feel like I missed a bit about her in that middle. I probably missed something really important about her in the middle. About her motivations or? Yeah, about her motivations because why would you bother? Yeah, I suppose I don't she know. had to bother once she slipped through the first. Yeah, well, she so had the... to because she was investigating the crime. So she she slipped through without knowing, and then that was the card she was dealt with. So that was what she had to yeah. play. But then that Madison dies really quickly too, because she that medicine the medicine in the second reality is dead on like the second day that um, Felicity's there. Uh, mm. But it's really, I think, the third world or fourth one she gets into where her relationship is breaking apart which was um yep. the interesting one for me like that was the one where i thought oh it's very obvious why you would want to change why do you want to move away that from one. this reality because yep. there's so much wrong personally wrong with it mm-hmm. i thought she was a, 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 is gutsy the right word especially towards the end like she really had to step up at that point and yeah at risk of going into some spoilers territory her things yeah i thought her character took a real a real choice at, at the end in the last final few mm-hmm. chapters. Yeah. It was like, Whoa, well, right. I, I, it's not where I expected the, the book to be going um, for sure. And then even Madison towards the end, I was reading it going, what is she doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> there are a couple of points specifically too, with that last Madison where I thought, Oh, Oh, I can see why she's a, like a personality type that just keeps getting killed. <laughs> like those yeah. choices that she makes. I can see how she yeah. just keeps getting killed in lots of realities. But, um, but you know, I think, I think she turned it around at the end sort of thing. At the end. Yeah. I think the last Madison wasn't written particularly smart. Or maybe she was. I think she was definitely textured the last one. Text. Yeah. That's a good, mm. yeah. We'll run with that. Because, yeah, like, and like we say, it's Felicity's book, but, you know, Madison May's on the cover. And I think one of the things we both said in the pre-show was just how gobsmacked we were at how well Madison May drew us in every time she was on the page. Yeah, it's like, as we were saying, you know what's going to happen. You know, but it surprises yeah. you every time. Like, it's even right the there on the chapter, cover. I mean, the book is called The, the first 20 chapter, Murders I of Madison you May. And I'm like, what is going on with this book? Yeah. He's just killed her. Isn't this the and main character? Very, what? Yeah. It was all very, I'm thinking, you know, you go down to the showgrounds and there's like the haunted house and it's spiderwebs and cobwebs and creaky floorboards and then some killer clown pops up in the window and it's, you know it's coming, but then yeah. you're still surprised when it happens. Yeah, the, but the, it still gets you, sort of thing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really, it was fascinating. Just I was a sucker for it every time. Like every single time Madison was there, I was, I got really, I got really invested really quickly. I think there's something about her optimism or something about her character that was just really appealing. Like you could just really just wanted to sort of, you wanted her to do well sort of thing. Yeah, I felt bad for her so by the time we sort of hit midway through the book and there was one scene where I actually wasn't expect, expecting Clayton to turn up at all or he mm. turned up at a, a weird time when she'd gone to the party and he was the, what is it, the valet? Yeah. Is that the word? Yes. Yeah. And I went, 
how did I not see that? Like, that makes so much sense. How did I not see that? Yeah. And I keep wondering to myself, how did he get, like, how did he get the job <laughs> so quickly? Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. I just jumped into this world. Let me work as a ballet car concierge. Yeah, lucky I got this. I've got this, just happened to have this snazzy red waistcoat or something. So I'll just uh, stand yeah. in line here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was That I think was one of my favourite parts of the entire book was when you were reading the Madison May chapters, the moment when you realised, oh, this is Clay. No, yes. here, here he is. Uh, well, she's just bumped into some bloke guy in the street you. and she walks away and, oh, my God, I've been stabbed. Yeah, exactly. Like just <laughs> all these different. Just all the different iterations of this guy. Just he was like a boogeyman, just turning up out of nowhere. Yeah. It was really, it was really good. I did. I loved it. Have you read anything else by the author Max Barry? I haven't, but I'm really kind of keen to now, actually, because like I like I was saying to you, once this, once I got sort of to chapter two or three of this book, um, it was when I realised that the the book was not leaving my hands until I had read the entire thing. And I just kept going. It just because yeah. it just drew me in so I love much. Books like that. I'd be really keen to see what else, um, what else Max Barry's been up to that might be able to capture me that same way. But I wondered too if whether because you know I'm the sort of the sci-fi half of this duo, whether those sci-fi elements are really what drew me in uh, so well, because just the conceit of the multiverse, the conceit of going through all these different universe realities just to try to save one person was um was really appealing to me i'm trying to work out what was appealing to me see there was no romance in the book but that i mean that doesn't exclude me from liking it because most of this year i've read non-fiction anyway it sort of seemed um, like they might have been setting up felicity and hugo for a while there it did feel like that didn't it and then it just it went pear-shaped i you know i think i just liked the setting because i don't read a lot of books that are set in america Hmm. And then yeah. we've got the multiverse. I mean, everyone loves the multiverse at the moment. And that was a that was a really unique way of telling a story, I thought, because we've seen a multiverse, as we said before, used to go back and and change, you know, get time stones and all these sorts of things. But it's not time hopping to prevent one person continually dying. So I thought that was quite and to and to know the character like Madison was having like she'd run into Felicity and she's like, I'm sure I know this woman. I can't work out where from, but I'm sure I know her. I know her face. She's very familiar. Yeah. There were a couple of really cool moments like that. eh? Yeah. 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 Right on. It's, it's one of those books, I guess, I guess when you do break it down, it is kind of hard to quantify just how many, it's got a lot of Venn diagrams coalescing in the middle to make this book. Yeah, it does. Doesn't it? It does. I think it's just one of those books that you you just like and you, you can't quite put your finger on why, but you you know that you've enjoyed it. Yeah, sort of some equaling greater than the total of its parts, for sure. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on the book then, I guess? Um, I have any really final sort of stuck thoughts. with you, I guess. Well, you know what? The opening chapter just really stuck with me because it was very, well, it was like a fun house, wasn't it? Mm. The Carnival Fun House. That was a really good first chapter. Yeah, it was really gripping. I guess for me, yeah, the the real takeaway I, I think from this is I just I loved how 
small but also really present the changes were in each reality. Like there was nothing that was super big. Like you know, uh, soft drink was called. It was all very minor, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, but then you had the, also that, that one uncanny valley thing in every reality. So, mm-hmm. you know, first it was the clock that Felicity used to sit under. The, it was gone. You know, she'd lived with this sort of oppressive TikTok for years working at her desk. And then it was gone, just gone one day. Gone. And it had never been yeah. there. Like, you yeah. know, you wake up in the, in the morning and it takes you a while to realize that you haven't seen your second cat uh, for a while. <laughs> Or, you know, yeah. just going to the toilet in the middle of the night and bumping into a table that was that didn't exist Never there. Uh, before. Yeah. Uh, those those small, just un- uncanny valley sort of thing that really just sets your mind in. It sort of jolts you out of comfort. Out of the but continuation. But not enough yeah, yeah. that it's really obvious that you are, that the world has changed. So I think that was. Yeah. Like you said, it's just a really reminder nicely. of different things. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it had a it had a good effect on me as the reader in that way as it did on Felicity in the book too. I think it was Yeah. So like, yep. And because you know, you've read the blurb going in, so you already know what hap- what's happening. You already know it's a multiverse story. But still seeing Felicity step through the understanding of it wasn't uh painful, which sometimes it can be when you already know and you've just got to wait for the characters to catch up. Yeah. So yeah, so I think I'd I'd recommend this to uh, anyone who I wants would. to read it. Absolutely, I certainly. I mean, I, I recommended it to copy. you and sort of forced you to read it for the podcast. <laughs> so it's probably a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, I'd buy my dad a copy. I reckon he'd enjoy that. Fantastic. Well, everybody, go out and grab a copy of the Twenty Two Murders of Madison May by Max Barry. It's uh, yes, it's still pretty tomorrow. All still pretty after, fresh, depending on what multiverse you're in. Absolutely. Yes. So make this the multiverse where you did get to read this book. Yeah. Yes, correct. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Belinda, to yeah, chat about this excellent book. That is okay. Um, What else are you reading at the moment? Uh, Would you believe I'm actually reading a lot of um, religious theory at the moment. So I picked up a book called The Gospel of Thomas. Oh, I think I heard of that, actually. Yeah. So that's that's a fairly old book, yeah? I think it might be. Let me just grab the Kindle, The the Way of Thomas, Um, Insights for Spiritual Living from the Gnostic Gospel of Thomas. And it's about there's different versions of the Bible and, and the Bible wasn't quite Jesus disappeared up to the sky. It was, it talks about the different linguistic things. Uh, and right. how they don't, they aren't interpreted sort of literally, like he didn't float up to the sky. Probably did if he was an astronaut, but. <laughs> Do not bring Eric <laughs> Von Daniken into this, into this podcast. <laughs> I won't stand for having him under the roof of this podcast. Oh, but how my else did we get the Sphinx? My, my, my archaeologist <laughs> blood is boiling. <laughs> we get, you know what? We should, have, we should have an episode just about Eric Von Daniken. That'd be great, actually. I would love. I'd. Lo- I did. There was a time where I I owned the entire set of his books. So I'd love to revisit it and just. To, My dad still. If got for them. no other reason than to rip into it. Yeah, let's do it. Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic! But the book of Thomas or the way of Thomas sounds interesting. Then, if it's if it's a look at those sort of those other details, like sort of the you know the the other side of the A four sheet that is Christianity. Yeah, look, I'm I'm enjoying it because. I mean, we've talked about religion before and do love reading 
the history and the theory behind them. Well, cool. Well, I best let you go then for the evening, Belinda. Thank you very much again. I've got um, yeah a few books on my own ticket as well to read. I just finished the, yeah, the Desert Prince. Well, I actually just finished the Desert Prince by Peter V. Brett, which was a good yeah. one. I don't know if you've ever read the uh, the Painted Man uh, or the Watered no. Man. They called it in um no. uh, in American territories, but um yeah, it was it was good. It was first it was a five book series following that one. And this is the first book of a new series set 15 years after the end of that last series. So pretty big boots to fill. So we're talking um, like the Skywalkers and Rogue One and it's, and yeah, in it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, to, for a direct comparison, it, this is the, um, the force awakens following the, the last book being the return of the Jedi. Absolutely. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, Easy. Yeah. Now I understand. Yeah. So in a yes. As I said, big boots to fill. Uh, it, it it did quite an adequate job of that, so it was good. It was really oh, enjoyable. Good. And what do you want to do next? Then, oh God, what do I what do I choose? I think the next thing I've got actually one of your um, fourteen, your massive list there. I know. I'm, I'm looking over at it. Uh, the next one I've got it would be uh, Professor Bardo's travel anthology for haunted houses. Or Ooh, like, like a, I've only written down half the title here on my whiteboard because I couldn't fit the entire thing on. But is that um, one that you're going to read to the kids or not? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't. I haven't read it yet, but I do. I recognise some of the names in that anthology, and having read the other works, no, I'm not going to read this one to the kids. No. <laughs> not unless I want to be dealing with having no time to read at nightmares. night because I'm dealing with yeah. nightmares for the next 13 years. Yeah. So get them, no, get them to write a book report um, yeah. in their therapy session. <laughs> Should be good. Uh, hopefully, yeah. it'll have uh, a, a good effect on me. Not quite so extreme, I hope. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'll leave you be then. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. I've got, I'm just looking at my to read list over here. It's got 14 books on it. Is that all? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Pivotonian. 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 Pivot. 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 God, how many years has Pivot been in the lexicon? Well, apparently about 30 years, according to the Friends reunion. That's not allowed. No, it's not. Ouch. I remember when it started, I was in, I think, year seven. Yeah, wow. High school. First year of high school. It's not often. But it's occasionally the uh, the age difference between us uh, comes into the sort of glaring, glaring spotlight. Because I'm like, oh yeah, if it was thirty years ago, I was four. Are you that young? I don't know. I'm thirty four. So, are you? I yeah. see. I always just think of everyone as the same age as me. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Which is yeah. Uh, <laughs> usually we're on. You know, we're pretty much the same because the last you know shared experience of the last 10, 15 years. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's funny. Huh. See, I never knew that. There you go. There we go. I'm going to I'm going to appear uh, I'm going to appear all baby faced now for the rest of it, as baby yeah, faces well, a bearded, and then you'll, balding you'll man like can, can be. Yeah. yeah, just just you know, babies are bald, so I'm I'm getting there. Back to a baby face. You're working on it. Yeah. <laughs>